even with that defense being great, at some point they're going to get in the shootout. He's a great coordinator, not a great head coach. I think there's one thing we're all saying for a fact. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cypher, also known as No Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram, also on YouTube. That is No Huddle NFL and with no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at No Huddle NFL. Yet again, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. I hope you're all enjoying your day. This episode is coming up on a Thursday. About to be our playoff predictions. I'm having Hammy on as a guest. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. How about yourself? You know, I'm great, and I'm super excited to talk about some super exciting playoff matchups. But before we get to that, we need to talk a little bit about these coaches, right? I've been posting about mm-hmm. it on Twitter, once again, at no huddle NFL, no capitals, and no spaces. I've been posting about the coaches that have been fired, some of the offensive coordinator openings, all that stuff. But I really quickly want to get something out on the pod about these guys getting fired. So, Arthur Smith, Ron Rivera, Mike Vrabel, Pete Carroll. Some of those surprising, some of those not so surprising. What do you have to say about the future of these teams now, you know, looking for a head coach? um, I'm kind of a little shocked about the Seahawks firing Carroll, but then again, it's kind of understandable as to why that's the case because obviously Pete Carroll is 72 years old. I think that you have some of the old school mentality that you kind of want to move on from, you know, a new school brand, which totally understandable. But I will say that about the Pete Carroll firing, I think the impact that Carroll has in the locker room, that's probably something that it's hard to replicate. But then again, good for the Seahawks that they're keeping him as an advisory role. So at least he still sticks within the organization, which is awesome. But that news today, like, I didn't expect that. And then the Mike Vrabel firing. At first, when I reacted to that news, I felt like I wasn't sure what the Titans were doing. But then the more as I looked into it, I was like, okay, I'm starting to realize why Tennessee is doing it. And it's almost the same reasons why, like, Seattle moved on from Pete Carroll. Because Vrabel Vrabel's going to get the best out of you. He's going to win. And Tennessee is in a position where, like, they need to rebuild and they need to get serious talent onto that roster. And there's no way they're going to achieve that with Mike Vrabel being their head coach when they're getting out of the, like, potential, like, what, top 10 picks or Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. And so the fact that Tennessee is in that position where they need that upper echelon caliber talent. I can understand that you don't want to waste Mike Vrabel's coaching career. Have him go somewhere where he can revolutionize a franchise. New England, if you're um, watching this, um, if Bill Belichick moves on, this is your guy, by the way. But if like, you want a coach that's going to immediately set a winning culture, Vrabel is your guy, and he's going to do wonders for that. Yeah, 100%. Hard to... I, I, I yeah. just really quickly want to uh, jump in with my thoughts on those two because – the next two are the guys we all saw coming, right? Yeah. And I voiced my thoughts on the other two. Uh, but I think these two kind of belong in a different discussion because both of them are really good coaches. But like you said, it's just these teams searching for an identity change, right? Right. Pete Carroll is old now, man. They mm-hmm. see a team that has a lot of talent, but it's very clear 
that they need someone that'll bring in a newer ideology. Okay. Right. A coach that will bring in more of those X's and O's because you watch this team, some of the schemes mm-hmm. that they run, they're very vanilla. Okay. And they don't want to be coordinator dependent to get rid of that vanilla type of offense and defense. They want the head right. coach himself to consistently bring in some crazy stuff offensively or crazy stuff defensively. Because oh, let's yeah. be honest, if you want to win in this league, it's difficult to do that when you're vanilla, okay? You can't right. win just purely off of culture, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I have my, this is a little bit of a hot take, but when Ben Johnson's gone, I have my questions about how that Detroit offense is going to look, okay? Oh, absolutely. And that that's really how I look at it with Carroll. I think they're trying to move on and bring someone in that'll change them more from an X's and O's perspective what Carroll does for the locker room, like you said, it's great. It's crucial. It's very important. But that only works when you have all the pieces in place. Seattle doesn't. Okay. That's right. And they don't have much time under Carroll, who, like we said, he's 72. Mm-hmm. They don't have time under him to bring in that absurd talent that you need to win with a coach like that. And then Vrabel, I, I was very surprised by this one, but... Like you said, it, it makes a lot of sense. This is a team that's changing its identity, right? They are completely yeah. changing their identity. No more Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill's likely out of there. A.J. Brown, yeah. gone. They, they are completely yeah. changing their identity. But when they got rid of A.J. Brown, which was the first step of changing that identity, Vrabel was pissed because he's trying to win right yeah. now. He is, and that's the type of coach he is, and that's a good thing. A team like... You said the Patriots, and I know that's the, that's the spot everyone's talking about, and I get it, that might end up being what happens, but I think a team like the Chargers, a team that's trying to compete right now, could really benefit from bringing oh, someone in sure. like him. But in terms of this Tennessee Titans roster that isn't overly talented, mm-hmm. I don't know if Vrabel is the right guy for them. I think they need someone that will really change the locker room, right? Change right. them not to win right now. Of course, you want to win right now, but someone that will be more focused on developing the young guys, and that's the top priority as opposed to winning. Okay? Correct. Because even yeah. though the Titans outperform expectations under Vrabel, the young guys, I mean, what could you say about the young players on that team? A Conquo looks good, but what have we seen yeah. from Burks, right? What have we seen from yeah. some of the young defensive pieces? Under him, the young pieces haven't been developing, really. And that's why they want to move on from Vrabel. And I talked about the next two a little bit on the last episode. So feel free to check that out. It was a little bit of a Week 18 recap slash, you know, mm-hmm. we starting we started up the playoff uh, conversation. And we also started off a little bit of the offseason conversation with these head coach firings of Ron Rivera and Arthur Smith. What do you think of those? They were expected, and um, Arthur Smith is showing that he's a prime example of a guy that is at best a coordinator. He's a great coordinator, but simply not head coach material. Dude knows how to draw up a run game. Like, I watch Arthur Smith's run game, and I will be one of the first people to say this. I have defended Arthur Smith in the past because I was just a fan of, like, how specifically he schemes up his run game, specifically from the right side of his offensive line when when you have guys like Chris Lindstrom, Caleb McGarry, and those guys. But 
I think the issue is you can scheme up and your offense can look good, but are, what are you doing to maximize the elite talent on your roster? And I feel like that was something Arthur Smith was lacking. And for any guy, anyone that's going to be a great head coach, you need to be obviously be capable of doing that. And so it's a shame that folks are going to look at the tenure for Arthur Smith and say that he's not an offensive genius. But when you look at when he was the OC in Tennessee, when Tennessee was competing, Ryan Tannehill was like talked about as a top 10 quarterback. Derrick Henry was like either the best running back in football or he was like the second best in the NFL at that time. I remember John U. Smith was getting top 10 um, conversations when Arthur Smith was their head coach. So like Arthur Smith knows his offense. He knows how to scheme up a great offense, but it's just a matter of like not getting the best of your elite talent, which I mean, that's pretty much the only issue. And then that's why the Falcons were losing games. So uh, it was kind of like a writing in the wall. And then especially the Saints game, the way that they lost. I mean, yeah. it, it, it. It's um, easy to understand why he got fired two minutes yeah. into Black Monday starting. Oh, absolutely. For sure. And then Ron Rivera, um, like I'm always going to respect Ron Rivera, especially for what he did with the Panthers, like in Cam Newton's prime. Um, but then again, in Washington, it it was just, you know, new ownership. I understand it. So, and Ron Rivera, it obviously what also got him last year that almost got him fired was the quarterback carousel. This year he stuck with Sam Howell and just realized it wasn't it. And then obviously new ownership stepped in. They have something else in plan. So I'm not going to blame Washington, but. Um, I, I'm I'm just not surprised when Arthur Smith and Ron Rivera fired. Um, but Arthur Smith, especially, I'm kind of wondering if folks are going to use him being fired as a reason why he won't get a head coaching job. Oh, not a head coaching job, an offensive coordinator job. And I, I feel I, like Arthur, he can I'd get one. I'd be on surprised, him. honestly. How's this for an idea, right? Uh. Everyone's talking about wherever Belichick goes, McDaniel's going to come with him, and I think that's 100% what's going to happen. How about wherever Vrabel goes, Arthur Smith comes with him? That'd be a I would not hate it. I feel like... I wouldn't hate it. Again, I mentioned the Chargers as a landing spot for Vrabel. Mm -hmm. You know, the Chargers bring in Vrabel. They're able to rebuild that running game under Arthur Smith. I would love to see it. I would like to see it, too. That would be a great watch. Uh, Mm -hmm. But again, we, we have a lot of time. To talk about that. I want to dive deep into the six yeah. matchups that are coming up on this specific wild card weekend. Starting with the first game, Browns at Texans. This is a game that I really, really struggle to pick. I, I mean, this I went through the playoffs and the matchups and you know, kind of just wanting to see where I stand on who I project to be the Super Bowl champion at the moment. By the way, I still feel 49ers all the way. So I'm standing by my preseason prediction. Uh, but when I was going through that, when I was simulating each playoff game, this matchup was the hardest one for me. I am still struggling to say how I feel about this game with any confidence because this is a game I could see playing out in a bunch of different ways. Most of those ways, though, one team wins over the other by a very narrow amount so how do you feel 
about this game? And do you share that same feeling? Do you think that f this game is going to be really closer? Do you see a possibility that this is a little bit more of a blowout than I'm acting like it will be? I am right with you because this was the hardest game for me to predict. Like out of all matchups in Super Wildcard Weekend, Browns Texans. Like, and the reason why is because CJ Stroud is the difference maker. When like the last time these these two teams played, there was no CJ Stroud. It was a Case Keenum, and then I believe Davis Mills also played that game, but there was no CJ Stroud, and that's the hardest part about it. And I do agree with you that this is going to come down to like the very last moment where. We might see somebody lead a game-winning drive, and it's going to end at like at a dramatic field goal or a very narrow margin. But and who do you trust more in the clutch, Flacco or Stroud? Because we've seen Flacco do some crazy stuff in the playoffs, man. We've and seen so that has happen. Stroud, and Stroud's done it in the regular season, but this is the playoffs. Yeah, and it, this game really comes down to one thing: what do you value more, elite defensive play? Or elite quarterback play? What is more important to playoff success? And that's a really difficult question to answer. It there, is. There's so many ways for this game to play out. There are. And I while will, yeah. Flacco has his high moments, because Flacco has been very good. And yes. I'm not going to act like he is a bad quarterback. Right. But he does have a 3.9 interception ratio. That's true. And while a lot of those are arm punts, you know, Stroud is really safe with the ball. Joe Flacco isn't. That yeah. could be the difference, too, in a game like this, a game that might be this tight. Those turnovers could be the difference. But at the same time, Cleveland's defense is really good, and that makes me think they're going to be able to make up for Flacco throwing an interception or two. So, again, it makes it so tough for me to pick this one. And that's the thing. This is like a Shanahan-esque offense from Houston, and we've seen the Browns literally slow down Kyle Shanahan's offense. We've seen him Niners. beat Kyle Shanahan's offense. Exactly. And that, was, and that was with P.J. Walker in that quarterback. Exactly. And that's what makes it so hard. The one thing that I will say, and this will actually play – in a factor, this is the Texans' first playoff since 2019, and that's going to be their first home game. I'm sure the city of Houston is going to come and show out, and home crowd advantage, That's it's a really big deal. And I'm for a team like Houston who's been through, you know, three years of terrible football play, and for them to now be back in the spotlight, I would imagine Houston is going to potentially do whatever they can but even then like it is so hard to bet against this browns defense because my goodness i this is probably one of my favorite defenses that i have watched all of this year miles garrett playing out of his mind and then uh jok has been incredible this year the browns corners is what has the, impressed me the most cornerback trio it, it is amazing how little recognition they get their quarterback trio is the best in the NFL, and it's not close. Oh, oh, and, it's and, quite easily, yes. yes. And people undermine that because the D-line is playing out of its mind, because the linebackers are playing out of its mind. Their corners are honestly the highlight of that defense, and you don't even recognize Absolutely. it because quarterbacks yeah. can't get the ball off. 
it's not just Martin Emerson and Greg Newsom, but um, Denzel Ward. Martin Emerson. He's been out of his mind Mar- this Martin year. Martin Emerson's been great. Ward's been great. Newsom right. is good. I-, I mean, that, and then you have Miles Garrett coming off the edge. Like, how do you throw the ball on that? It, you, there's no way. And what's huge for the Browns, I believe today they um, activated Grant Delpit off of IR. Yeah, that's big for them too. That's big, Tim. That's big. And, you know, this is a Texans team that doesn't have that wide variety of weapons. You know, this isn't going to be another situation where Nico Collins is going to go for almost 200 yards. Like, that's not going to happen again here. It's not happening with this defense. They're going to have to rely on the other receivers, right? They're going to have to rely on the John Mechies. They're going to have to rely on, you know, Xavier Hutchinson. Noah Brown might not play, though. Oh, that's Tank, right. Tank Dell's injured, uh, and that's exactly what the they issue is. They miss Tank Dell. Oh, Tank Dell being out, I think, is huge. That's such a difference yeah, maker. And Amari huge, Cooper man. is going to be playing. So the Browns are going to have their firepower. Noah Brown potentially not playing, or if he does play, playing through injury. Tank Dell not playing. Robert Woods being hurt. I mean, that stuff is going to cause them to be a little bit too reliant on Nico Collins. I don't know how that's going to fly against Cleveland. You're going to have to rely on Dalton Schultz to step it up yeah. if you want to take any sort of pressure off of um, And also for the uh, Texans' run game. And, yeah, I mean, th- that's really what – that's really Houston's key because they're going to – the game plan is like, okay, we're going to try to limit Nico Collins. But what about the rest of the guys that is on the field? So, like, they're going to have to get some involvement in. So – I trust CJ Stroud and love uh, love the guy. I think he's going to be an incredible quarterback in his entire his career going forward. This is a this is a pretty tough matchup and then seeing that the Browns are getting like a key player back in Grant Delpit and also like their cornerback trio just playing out of its mind. It also, might be tough, it, it but is, I might. It is important to remember Jonathan Grenard's going to be back for this game, hopefully. True. Like, Yeah, and that's it, huge, This too. game, I, I want to look at it first from a Robert Woods is healthy, Noah Brown is healthy, they have Nico Collins, right. their entire D-line is healthy. Looking at it from that perspective first, and then we'll look at it, you know, worst-case scenario. Worst-case scenario, I think the Browns win this, right? If they're missing Probably. Robert Woods and Noah Brown, and then their entire defensive line is questionable right now. If all those guys are out, okay. Yeah. yeah. Or if a lot of those guys are out, okay. But if all those guys are healthy, it's mm-hmm. it's a really tough matchup on both ends because let's not act like the Texans aren't going to give the Browns problems. Okay, They will. They they're will they're sure. a disciplined defense. They're not going right. to leave receivers open. I don't think Amari Cooper is going to have some field day. And I don't really know how Cleveland is going to go about attacking Houston. Right? I mean, maybe this will be a big Najoku game. Maybe he could be an X-Factor player for them here. I could absolutely see that. I can see it too. But this is going to be a relatively low-scoring game. Right? I'm expecting like a 21-17 to type of score. Or a 21-24 type of score. Yep. It shouldn't be an overly high-scoring game. I, I think it's going to be a field position battle. And it yeah. comes down to who is going to give them that field positioning. right? I think the 
Brown's defense is an opportunistic one. They force turnovers, but CJ yeah. Stroud, he's very safe with the ball. Exactly. Joe Flacco isn't safe with the ball, but when he's turning it over, it ends up being an arm punt. So it's not like he's giving them great field position. Right. This is going to be a really tough matchup. I am going to take Cleveland, though, because I, I just think it's so tough for a quarterback to operate in the playoffs for the first time while being under pressure from Miles Garrett, from that defensive yeah. line, from all those guys, from you know the cornerbacks, I think are going to do a really good job preventing guys like Nico Collins from having a great day. They're going to have to rely on Dalton Schultz. They definitely are. And mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to have a great game because these yeah. linebackers are good in coverage too. Oh, yeah, and then J- and JOK being phenomenal this year, it's been very huge for Cleveland on all three levels of, of the defense. And I'm with you on this. This is probably where I'm going to leave clean Cleveland for that exact reason only, that this Browns defense has been incredible. And it's, like, probably one of my favorite defenses I've ever witnessed. I mean, mm-hmm. the way that they attack on all – like all three levels of the uh, defense operating, I think this is a potential to where, um, yeah, they can cause problems for Houston's offensive line. And but, and I do think CJ Stroud will be at his best, but I just don't know if, like you mentioned about Robert Woods and the rest of the weapons, I just think that if you're going to heavily rely on Nico Collins, then that is potential to be some problems here. So. Yeah, so I'm with you on this. I'm probably going to lean Cleveland on this one. Yeah, and, you know, Houston absolutely can win this game. They can. Absolutely. And that's, it's, and that's something we cannot ignore because they're very capable of doing so. For every problem that that Cleveland defense is going to give C.J. Stroud, the Texans defense is going to give Flacco a fair share of problems, too. There, there is no doubt. Oh, that. yeah. Right. They are a very disciplined unit. They're not going to leave guys open for Flacco to hit. Stefanski is going to have to have a good game, you know, scheming people open, scheming ways to exploit this D'Amico Ryan's defense. And I know that Stefanski can do it, right? We've seen him do it. He's been one of the coaches of the year, if not the coach of the year. Yeah. Like, we've seen him do some amazing stuff this year, but it's not going to be an easy task. Because D'Amico Ryans coaches these guys up to know what they're going to see. Okay, they're a very well-disciplined defense. Not the most athletic group, but they're a very well-disciplined unit that won't be getting exposed. Plus, the Will Anderson trade for Houston is paying dividends right now. It's been incredible. Mm -hmm. Him him and Grenard have been amazing, really. Amazing. And the Texans have the potential to add more, man. (laughs) That's what scares me about this, and I'm like, wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure Grenard's coming up on a, uh, either a contract extension or free agency. Right? He probably. I, I want to say that he's gone after this off season, or at least they have to pay him after this off season. But mm-hmm. I, again, that's a problem for after this year. It won't really matter if they end the season with a Lombardi, right? But right. first step of that is beating a really tough Cleveland team, and I don't think that's going to happen. I absolutely could see yeah. it, but I'm picking Cleveland. You're picking Cleveland, too. Let's move on to yeah. a game that's in some very bad weather, freezing temperatures. 
high wins. And it's really funny because these are two teams that want to throw the ball. They want to throw it early and often, and they're going to have to stray away from that identity. We mm-hmm. have the Dolphins going into Arrowhead. How do we feel about this game? I'm I'm excited to see a new side of both of these teams. I am as well. I'm very concerned for Miami, and it's just due to the amount of injuries that there are. Um, losing Bradley Chubb hurts, man. Well, so you you would Bradley Chubb is great. I'm not denying. Yeah, that. but they have done a very good job replacing him. It was one thing when Jalen Phillips went in, went down. Yeah, and Phillips, then or, Phillips yeah. was great. He got hurt. Then Van Ginkle came in. Van Ginkle was great. Now, Mm -hmm. they have Bradley Chubb go down, and Melvin Ingram comes in, and Melvin Ingram played great against the Bills. So now it's like, how much does it really matter? (laughs) I mean, Chubb Chubb was great. You got to play here. But their their depth, their depth is really strong at that position. So even though they are starting their two backup edge rushers, uh, okay, they're still better than most other teams' edge rush duos. So true. I'm not overly concerned about that personally. Mm-hmm. No, I, no, I can, I can very well see it. But weather, it, but it's the weather game, and that doesn't favor yeah. Miami, mm-hmm. and that's really what the problem is and. Kansas City, especially at this time, you do not want to play them. I get it that they're not like the Chiefs team that we all always assume on the Patrick Mahomes era because this is the weakest team. Definitely. But the Chiefs defense has been has been really, really good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Spagnolo scheming up his blitz packages. Not only is Chris Jones falling out and he's going to get a contract, whether if it's with Kansas City or not, George Karloftis is a breakout candidate that we're seeing oh, right yeah. now. And, dude, I mean, and Legereus Sneed being so awesome, which I, it still kind of mind boggles me he didn't make the Pro Bowl, but that's a conversation we'll have some probably another time. But, I mean, that that's really, that's really it. And the Chiefs D-line has, like, when you have Karloftis – at one side coming out there, and then you got to worry about Chris Jones. Yeah. It, 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 it's uh, every part of that D line. It, it's Derek Nottie. It's Mike Nottie's been great. Those guys being great. Yeah. Then you rotate in Charles Amenehu. And then, yeah. you know, in the second level, you got Willie Gay. Nick Bolton is still phenomenal. Drew Bolton's phenomenal. Plays. This unit, and you mentioned Legarius Need. How about the guy on the other side? Trent McDuffie. McDuff- McDuffie's awesome. He, he's superb. He's superb. He, I think he might be the best corner in the entire league in terms of just ability to defend screen passes. And I don't, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think in a game where it's high wins and Miami is going to want to, you know, still incorporate the passing game a little bit, still get the ball in Tyreek's hands. I think there's a likely chance they try and operate with that. They try and do a little bit of screen passes and, I don't think that's going to work because McDuffie, mm-hmm. because this entire corner room really is great at pursuing those screen passes. I think they're really going to restrict them in that way. And, oh, and yeah. the truth is, right, so we talked about the weather, and it's going to be a defensive game as a result of that because both these teams want to pass the ball more than they want to run it. Right. Tua's arm isn't 
a very strong one. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Two eyes. Yeah, it's, a good it's quarterback. Not. His arm is not strong. Right. And when you're playing in 15 mile per hour wins, you need to have a strong arm if you want to actually be able to throw the ball more than four times in a game. Right. And we also saw teams with strong arm quarterbacks mm-hmm. don't care how high the wins are. We saw it last time. Do you remember when the Bills played against the Patriots like a year or two ago? And it was a very windy football game. Yeah, I the remember Patriots that. The Patriots passed it like four times. And then the Bills were only running it two. And then they fell behind. And they were like, okay, you know what? Screw it. We're going to pass the ball. And Josh Allen was just slinging it anyway. Oh, yeah. I, I th- remember that game. I think we're going to see something similar here. But this time, the Chiefs are going to be doing it from the get-go. I think they yeah, have the faith the in this is going to be cooking. It's just going to be a question of whether or not the receivers can haul in the ball. And I think that's going to restrict yeah. them. But even if it doesn't, tell me this. Yeah. Which team do you think, in a situation where they have to run the ball every single play for a full quarter, which team do you have more confidence in their ability to do that? I might go Kansas City. Hmm. Pacheco's awesome, and don't get me wrong, Miami's run game's phenomenal. But, I mean, it's just, it's the Chiefs defense we're well, dealing with. And that's Miami, kind of been, like, my concern. I, I agree with you here. Miami's defense, or Miami's yeah. run game specifically, uh, it's explosive. It, it isn't is. consistent play-by-play-by-play. Right. And that's part of the reason you see them run the ball until teams are worried about play action. They'll run it just enough to make teams concerned about play action. But they won't mm-hmm. really run it much beyond that. Right. And it's a running game that will hit big plays, but they'll also get a lot of one-yard carries, two-yard carries. Right. And I think this will be a game where Tua won't really be taking defenders out of the box. Okay? Because of what yeah. I said. Because of the weak arm. Because of them probably ending the game with a total of 10 passes. Uh, yeah. I think that's going to lead to the Chiefs really stacking the box. And because of that, I don't think the Dolphins are going to be able to hit those big plays. And you take away the big plays from Miami's rushing offense, it's a really bad rushing offense. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where I'm just like, yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs here. And I'm taking the Chiefs in confidence, really. Unless the weather, and the weather is such a big factor in this. If the weather just goes away entirely, I'm looking at this game completely differently. But I am as well. The fact is, the weather is the situation. There is going to be right. high winds. It is going to be a cold football game. I'm taking the team that isn't from Miami in that situation. Yeah, a team that's like not used to cold weather at all and is always played in warm weather. And you're telling them to go win a game and weather's where it's freezing outside. And you got winds. Yeah, don't uh, don't sign me up for that. Yeah, this is where I'm going, Kansas City. And also, um, you can... I feel like Travis Kelsey might have a vintage performance. Like, you think he might this, have? I'd like a, like a vintage Travis Kelsey type game. Like, I can see it happening. If, like, any of the receivers it. don't... If... I, Rashi Rice is, com- is good, and I think he's been... Um, he's far achieved, like, my expectations. But I really feel like if 
KC is going to get the passing game going, it starts with Travis Kelsey, like for, forever. And that's probably where I feel like we might see just vintage Travis Kelsey all over again. So, yeah, I mean, it's very possible here, but I'm willing to go as far as to say this game is my lock of the week. And Yo, I, know that, I know that's a bold one. Oh, really? So we're on the same page with that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Okay, I'm all on the Chiefs. I didn't know if you were going to say the lock of the week, of the week was that one or this upcoming matchup, the last <laughs> AFC game, the Steelers at Bills. Because this one I could completely understand if you call this one a lock. I mean, no TJ Watt. He's the yeah. heart and soul of this team. You take away TJ Absolutely. Watt, all of a sudden this team becomes a lot less threatening. Uh, yeah. And even with TJ Watt, this game is an unlikely pittsburgh win it is it's in buffalo uh mm-hmm. and it, it's the year 2024 and you're starting mason Rudolph in a playoff game yeah yeah that yeah that also would be another lock of the week probably i might just get my second one honestly we'll see bills and chiefs next week all over again but this time in buffalo <laughs> yeah no it, it's uh i do think this one could like it's hard think, to say it could be an upset because they they don't have TJ Watt. But yeah. I could see a world where this game ends up a little bit too close to comfort because Josh Allen is going to do some Josh Allen things. I'd rather he do those Josh Allen things now than later on in the playoffs. You know, right. I, I think Bills fans would be fine with him throwing three picks in this game and then zero interceptions for the rest of the playoffs. Oh, absolutely, for sure. I, I think if I'm a Bills fan, I, I'd rather that. I would, I would much rather that than proceed through the this season. This is the game the where, like, Allen. you can. This is the game where you can be comfortable with Josh Allen showing his bows of gene. But any any other game, nah, you can't do that. Can't let that happen. Yeah, especially, you know, you know, it helps that they have home field, but it. it oh yeah, for sure. It still is like, you know, you go into Baltimore, you turn the ball over three times, yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, you know, you. you even if it's in Buffalo, you play against some of these other teams. Like, let's say the Texans advance. They play against the Texans, turn the ball over three times. The Texans are going to beat you. Sorry. Oh, yeah, they will for sure. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think he will turn the ball over in this game. The Steelers are an opportunistic defense. They but are. But I don't think they have a very opportunistic offense. <laughs> I think as much as it'd be nice to see Patrick Peterson, you know, get a pick or two, and then right. the Steelers just follow that up by marching up the field, uh, Mason Rudolph's playing quarterback. Yeah. Like, and and I, I think this thing. is a good run game. Like, the, the Steelers' that's run game really, is a good unit. But that's, that's really the only hole for Pittsburgh, yeah. is if you can get that going. And it would have to really get going. Like, really yeah. get going. And I, really. I think... Buffalo's a pretty good team up front. Their D-line is a deep unit. They have talent there. If you want to beat them, you got to beat them by exposing the fact that not only did they lose Tredavious White, but they also lost Tredavious White's replacement in Rasul Douglas. And I don't think the Steelers can really do that. Right. It it should be... I I think it's going to be a close one because of that running game, because Allen is going to turn the ball over probably, because of that stuff. Even with TJ Watt out, guys like Nick Herbig are going to step in. They're going to play great. Uh, right. Alex Highsmith is still very good. Like They're mm-hmm. going to have guys come out and still play well. But right. 
let's be honest, the Steelers secondary, you know, they're willing to pick the ball off. They'll make plays on the ball, but they're not, they're, they're a weakness and they're a weakness yeah, that's a lot easier to expose when TJ Watt is out. Oh, absolutely. Like this probably should be a game where Stefan Diggs should just be vintage Stefan Diggs again. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so tough, and I wouldn't be shocked if Gabe Davis actually gets 100 yards in this game if if this is possible. But yeah, no TJ Watt. It it makes it so difficult for like to have any sort of hope for Pittsburgh's defense shutting anything down. And James Cook has been pretty playing pretty good so far. So like, if Buffalo can continue to like utilize him, there, there's a like, I, I really don't see a pathway for Pittsburgh beating Buffalo this game. And like I mean, you mentioned, Mason Rudolph. Yeah, with me, that's the thing. I don't know how legitimate that... Like, again, Buffalo isn't strong in the secondary right now. But They're, even yeah. then, I don't think Mason Rudolph is going to make the plays he needs to. We saw how conservative he was against the Ravens' backups. Okay? Right. And now he's playing against a defensive mastermind, really, in Sean McDermott. They're right. going to take advantage of the fact that he's even on the football field. Right. Okay, and they so still have good. playmakers that that, yeah. they, that could cause issues. Yeah. And Rasul Douglas has paid off pretty well for Buffalo so far. So, like, well, I wouldn't be shocked if... It's a question of whether or not Rasul Douglas plays, but... Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, him going to... He still can play, but... Right. Him... Getting injured, I think, is a devastating blow that could lead to maybe one extra George Pickens. Uh, big yeah. Play. Right. But, it, yeah. again, it's just like if they don't get the run game going, I don't have trust in their ability to operate down by down. Yeah, that that's really the, the key for Pittsburgh. Just if they can just – if Jalen Warren Najee Harris can just be very good, then maybe as my – hope for pittsburgh making an upset could go a little bit higher but even then it's not something that i i should i would have extreme confidence in how many turnovers do you think pittsburgh has to force to win it i want to give bills fans a number to kind of watch out for (laughs) (laughs) probably i would say around maybe the three to four-ish somewhere yeah, I feel I feel like that's about right because I think if they turn yeah. it over twice and get the run game going they'll be fine as if they can get the run game going if they can't get the run game going and they turn over it turn the ball over mm-hmm. twice that's a little bit more scary but I think they're gonna get the run game going and if yeah. that's the case they could play more ball possession football and then only turning it over twice I think they could still win against the Steelers team yeah, absolutely, for sure. But once you enter that 3-4 territory, that's when I get really concerned. Right. But uh, Again, this is a Bills team that's going to be sporadic. They're going to turn the ball over. It's just a question of when and which games, right? This is a right. good game to kind of get it out of Allen's system. Yeah. But don't do it absolutely. too much. Don't do it too much because <laughs> this, Mike Tomlin hasn't won a playoff game in a while. He is due. Yeah. That's true. Uh, and this would be an embarrassing loss for Buffalo if they go out and lose this one after fighting so hard last week to win the AFC East. Imagine Ravens fans begging begging the uh, whoever they want to play next round, whether if it's going to be Pittsburgh forcing an upset or uh, someone from like the Browns or Texans maybe. 
I feel like Bill. I feel like if you're a Ravens fan, you kind of want Pittsburgh to win. Oh, you definitely just, do. Yeah, you definitely because do. Then you just get to so kill you just destroy them. Then you get to kill them. <laughs> yeah, you get to just destroy them with Lamar Jackson's masterclass, and then Mike McDonald being just such a amazing deep running such an amazing defense, which I think will take over the NFL pretty soon. Listen, I, I think he, it's it's very likely Lamar Jackson has like an all time performance. In oh, he will, man! Like it's... coming off a of bye, the, the yeah. Ravens would smoke him. Oh, dude, yeah, dude. Baltimore, man, I th- this is yeah, this is like probably the best Lamar Jackson I've seen in a while. In this oh, Ravens yeah. defense. Wow! Yeah, they're they're playing great ball. There, there's no they're, they're amazing. That. But yep. now we need to talk about a team that hasn't been playing great ball defensively. Sadly, we're going to talk about your Green Bay Packers as they go yeah. into Dallas. I do think this is a very legitimate game, but mm-hmm. the Packers lacking a legitimate defensive unit does scare <laughs> me. Uh, tell me, are you willing to take your Green Bay Packers in this one? So I will be very, very honest. I think Dallas wins this game. And I listen, I'm going to still cheer for the Packers and kind of hope we can get the upset going because, you know, all these nerves about like, oh, the Packers are undefeated in Jerry World. That was when we had Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. And that was when they had, (laughs) that was when they had, uh, what's his name? Rodgers uh what was it jason garrett at jason, that time and well, mike yeah, mccarthy exactly. was our head coach yeah and now it's kind of, we got the mike mccarthy revenge game right here yeah, there you go i mean here's the thing why i'm not i'm i i do expect that dallas is gonna win this game and it's and listen the packers i'm very pleased with what i've seen from this team lafleur's west coast offense coming into fruition and for Jordan Love to execute this offense and actually improve his play over the course of the season, very satisfied with what this team has done. And this team's very young, youngest offense in the league. And the fact that this team could get potentially get better, that's what I'm really excited for. However, Joe Barry is just yeah. my main culprit right now. Yes. And oh man, if, any zone coverage call makes me very nervous because CD Lamb is going to eat at that, and CD mm-hmm. Lamb's been unstoppable. It's not just CD Lamb too. You yeah. show up against Dak Prescott with basic vanilla coverages. You better have like eighty-five <laughs> Bears level personnel. You better because, because Dak's eating Dak that will pick it apart, man. He has yeah, been Dak's such a his ability to see the field and just instantly right. see the defense the opposing team is running and then just know directly where to go with the ball at the perfect time. Right. It's been spectacular this year. If you're going to come at him with a defense like this, a very yeah. basic one, he will pick you apart. And you don't have absolutely. the personnel to be able to make up for it. That's cr- that's absolutely true. That's really my biggest fear. Is that Dak's definitely dicing that secondary off, and for sure. But I also one thing, not just the defensively, the trenches, I feel like Dallas clears us on both aspects because Dallas's D line's really good. I don't know how we can contain Micah Parsons. And then Dallas's offensive line's been amazing all year long. 
So like Dak's just gonna have all the time he is he's gonna get to um pick apart this defense. And I wouldn't be shocked if Brendan Cooks has a game. Michael Gallup might even do something. Jake Ferguson's gonna eat the middle of the field pretty easily. We, we might see a shoemaker touchdown in this a one. A schoonmaker, yeah, for sure, man. And then Dallas's defense, I mean, they have some insane playmakers. If the Packers' offensive line can at least somewhat try and neutralize Dallas's pass rush, I can see an opportunity where Matt LaFleur can scheme something up to where Jaden Reed can do something mm. exposing their exposing the secondary, and maybe we could see Dontavian Wicks do something. Yeah, but that's For, probably the only hope that I can actually well, have. My but even hope. then. It's if if I were a Packers fan and I'm hoping for the upset here, yeah, I I would be, I I think the main thing for the offense, the defense, you're just gonna have to pray, for for the yeah, offense. That's though, really it. <laughs> for the offense, though, I think if they can get the run game going and keep yes. the defensive line honest by getting the run game going, and that mm-hmm. isn't too hard. This Cowboys defense isn't great against the run. Right. If you're able to slow Micah Parsons down by threatening them with the run game and then getting Jordan Love some time in the pocket, just using play action, all that good stuff. Right. I think that then, you know, you're facing off against the Cowboys defense that likes to run a lot of, like, cover one man. Mm-hmm. And that means you might get Christian Watson one-on-one. Take that shot. Right. Okay. Take it. And yeah. I think Jordan Love, you know, that he got here by taking shots. Yes. He takes that shot. You know, we've seen Deron Bland allow some big plays this year. Right. You try and just, I don't want to say pick on him because he has been a better coverage corner than people act like he is, but right. trying to pick on the fact that you're going to have one-on-one matchups. Hope that Jordan Love puts the ball in the right spot. Hope that he has the time to do that because the running game gets going and slows down the rush. Right. I have faith in the Packers' ability to win some of these one-on-one matchups that they're going to be getting throughout the game. Once right. again, for me, it's just a question of the defense because this is a very likely C.D. Lamb 200-yard day. Oh, absolutely, for sure, man. <laughs> and, and, and that's what Jake Ferguson is going to have a day too, man. Yeah, it's it's a and it sucks because the the defense has some talent. But we have talent. The the That's scheme really is what pisses bad. Me off. It, it's it, such a at least Joe Barry's gonna be gone after this year. That's the good thing. He better be gone because if we bring him back, then I'm scared Lafour's job's gonna be on the line because of this. Well, I I mean it's impossible to say. I think Lafleur should be in the coach of the year conversation. I don't think. Oh, absolutely. I. Am- 100% sold on Matt LaFleur being the future head coach for this team long-term. He's given me every single answer to say, I'm trusting this man to do whatever he can. And the whole team is bought into him, which is what you love to see. So, yes, Matt LaFleur should 100% be in this. Because for a rebuilding team like the Green Bay Packers, who have come into this season with the youngest offense, and for them to be in the playoffs with, even though the matchup is not great, it can still be a chance where you can be competitive, but the fact that we made it this far, that alone just like makes me very, very satisfied. 
But then again, I the youth is inexperienced is going to come into this play, which that's where Dallas has the advantage. So, I mean, and then Joe Barry, like that, that's really the only like down um, fall where I can, that's really going to cause uh, the Packers issues. And Cowboys are very good at exploiting that. And like, as you mentioned with Dak Prescott, picking apart the middle of the field. I mean, yeah. So yeah, Matt LaFleur, um, absolutely coach of the year candidate. Like I would, I do think that he should be talked about more and more in that discussion. So the first game that we talked about, I think there's a debate for that to be the game of the week, but yeah, it's between that game and this upcoming game between the Rams and another NFC North team, the Detroit Lions. The game is in Detroit. Matthew Stafford coming back to Detroit for this game. Oh, baby. Tell, tell me this. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, would you say that this is a more intense, more anticipated game than that Texans-Browns game? Or no, you would take Texans-Browns over this? I think this is... The fact that Detroit is having a home playoff game for the first time in like nearly three decades... Kind of speaks volume as to what might this go is, on in this Detroit. This is the first time as an NFC North team to host as an a NFC North game. team. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like that, the, the fact that you have this, and then the greatest quarterback in franchise history returning to your home field, his first ever game back in Detroit, and it's a playoff game. Like I, you can't. I don't know if there's a playoff atmosphere that's going to get more rowdy than Detroit is so much emotion is going to be in this game so yeah I, I am so ready to watch this game because I mean we might witness a master class from yeah, both th- teams this should be a really really fun one mm-hmm. I, I it's another one where it's tough to pick a winner here the right. Rams defense is a spectacular unit oh, relative yeah. to expectations However, Absolutely. the Lions' offense is unbelievable and will make plays against a less talented, although very disciplined, Rams' defense. But right. then the Rams' offense will also be making plays because the the Lions' defense is completely legitimate. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, that's true. It, it's it's going to be a shootout, right? We're, we're on the same page in that. Oh, game. yeah, yes. for sure. It should be a shootout. And... It will very likely come down to the turnover battle, right? A lot of these playoff games come down to that. Right. I think Nakua Masterclass, 100% going to happen in this one. Probably, yeah. And then it's going to be a shootout. Those are like the two things we know for certain. Which team do you have coming out on top, though? Because that's the real question here. And it's a tough one, but I have my answer. I'm curious what yours is. This is a tough one because... You're absolutely correct and nailed it. This is going to be a battle of who I trust uh, causing problems for the other side to turn the ball over. I got more faith in the Rams' defense to cause a turnover than I do with the Lions. And Matthew Stafford's been unbelievable this year that I think I might have the Rams winning this one. And this might be a pretty good upset here, upset pick, which 
even though I don't know if I want to call it an upset pick because people all over are actually kind of picking the Rams to win this game. But the Lions defense, man, I mean, you can neutralize their pass rush. And then after that, like once you get to like the second or third level, then it's an issue. And I wouldn't be shocked if we see not just Puka Nakua going off, but a vintage Cooper Cup game could possibly be in the books. Well, I would personally love to see that. I think what you just said about Detroit, though, you could also say about the Rams. If you neutralize that right. pass rush, all of a sudden... Their secondary is beatable, too. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you have guys like Amon Ra. Right? Amon Ra can do it. And then the, the thing you have to keep in mind, it's not like this game is going to be completely through the air. Both teams are going right. to be running the ball, and they're going to be running it effectively. Okay? They could definitely run the ball. I mean, yep. I could see a good game from... Kieran Williams here. I can yep. see a good game from both DeMont and Jameer Gibbs. It's very possible both these teams try and play some ball control football. Right. I, I could absolutely see it. I think they'll be successful. I really think no matter what the offense, either offense, tries to throw at the wall, everything's going to stick. And it's not because these defenses are horrible, although Detroit's defense is bad. It's just yeah. both offenses match up so well against the opposing defense. Right. I mean, oh, you're worried about this Rams pass rush that could really get in your face. It's okay. You have one of the best offensive lines in the league. So now you get to right. pick on Akella Witherspoon on the outside using, you know, a Mon Yeah. And then, oh, you're Not worried. Matchup. Yeah. And then if you're the Rams, oh, you're worried about Aiden Hutchinson? Well, it's okay. Yeah. You got someone like Nakua that just gets open so quick. It doesn't matter. Right? right, and you have a Matthew Stafford that is spectacular at oh yeah, just throwing the ball from these different ball arm angles and really just ignoring pressure. So that's why it becomes mm -hmm. such a unique battle here. Yet again, right. we're on the same side here. I'm picking the Rams. I'm hoping this next game we don't pick the same side though, because <laughs> this would be the yeah. first time me and the uh, other person I'm having on the show also just pick the same team to win every game. But let's keep going <laughs> with this one before we move on to that next one. Uh, this entire game should just be so much fun. I think you look at the trade and how it's worked out for both sides. Uh, I think there are mm -hmm. very few other trades that are looked at in the same light in terms of how well they worked out for both teams. I don't think oh, there absolutely. was a loser for that one. Not and a I think single loser? And yeah. nobody should be saying that the Rams lost this deal or the Lions lost this. Mm -hmm. The Lions got exactly what they have. They have a young core that they're going to build around, and it's already showing on how that core is turning out. Meanwhile, the Rams are not only did they win a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford, they're a legit dark horse Super Bowl contender right now. Yeah. And, I mean, like, they got the quarterback that they wanted for a while that was the missing piece. And guess what? Rams got what they wanted. So this is a win-win for both teams. Yeah. I, I'm and absolutely with you. I'm worried about people leaving this game and saying, oh, yeah, now that Detroit lost or now that the Rams lost, I guess the other team was the real winner. And it's just like, no, no, you have to look at it like this. Yeah. The fact the game is even happening is proof right. that the trade worked out for both teams. This is a oh, playoff absolutely. game between one of the most promising young football teams in the entire league. Yep. And a team that won the Super Bowl just two years ago. Okay. Right. 
this is a really good thing for both franchises. Okay, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a oh this team won then this team won the trade. Okay, haha. This right. other team got fleeced because they didn't win the playoff game that happened three years later. Whatever. Right. It, it's but embarrassing yeah, the way yeah. NFL media goes about this, but. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then not even mentioning that the Lions, like, they're how did the how else were the Lions got into the playoffs, dude? Exactly. Like what, we, like, what are we doing? So like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is like probably one of the probably the most the best example of a win-win trade from both parties for one guy what they wanted the other okay they rebuilt and they got a good one also um one thing i want to note i don't know i haven't really kept up with like much of the um injury updates but what's the update with sam laporta for detroit well, because laporta isn't playing he isn't playing correct laporta is Ooh. supposed to be out that that's rough man that's so rough yeah, because yeah, because this is a it's game not where... like absolutely locked in, but right now it's they said outside shot for him to play. Okay, because this is kind of a matchup where I feel like Laporta could have a very fantastic game. Yeah, on. yeah, he very so, he very well could have. Yeah, and now you have to rely on Shane Zilstra. I think as their backup tight end. Yeah, and then what a Brock. Well, Brock Wrights are blocking tight end, so is Shane Zilstra to come step in? Yeah, that's rough, man. Yeah, if they don't have Laporta, that is a huge loss because, especially in the middle of the field, when you can neutralize that Rams pass rush, you can get them middle of the field, and that's where Sam Laporta can eat. So, yeah, I'm I'm going Rams in this one. So, yeah, until like we get a little bit more clarification, like I, like even if Laporta was still playing, I can still trust the Rams doing it. But um, then again. No Laporta, that's a big loss for the Lions, for sure. Yeah, that that's huge. And even if he does play, he's playing through injury. He'll likely be on a snap count. You oh, hate absolutely. to see him, but this is part of the game. The good thing is they still will be able to attack the middle with guys like Amon Ra, who is one of the they best can. receivers across the mat- middle. Absolutely. It, it still is just, you know, you need all the help you could get when in a shootout like this. It should be a shootout. I'd be very surprised if it isn't. Uh, yeah, but, I would too. Yeah, and very easily can be the best game of the of the entire playoffs for sure. It, it definitely can be. I could see a high scoring game that goes down to the last minute. It really just comes down to who has the ball last. Should be a really fun one. We're both taking the Rams in it. Now on to yeah. the last game. Eagles at Buccaneers. Both of these teams shouldn't be here. I, I'm not I'm gonna be yeah. completely honest. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I, I legitimately think the Bears were playing better football than the Eagles uh, going into this game. And yeah, because how the Bucks looked for the past two weeks, I think the Bears were playing better football than them too. Uh, I think there was a point where I would say the Bucks were the better team, but then the Bucks got killed by the Saints and only dropped nine points against the Carolina Panthers in a game that they were trying to win convincingly. And even though the Bears lost uh, last week, I would say that they're a better team than both of these two. And I'm saying the Bears because they're the first NFC team that comes to mind. There's definitely some other team I'm forgetting about. But, yeah, th- this this is <laughs> no, not going to be a fun one. I mean, it what should be a good game, right? It should be. But it, it, it's I... not between two playoff caliber teams. Unless it's maybe not. the Buccaneers bounce back. 
I don't think the Eagles can bounce back. Yeah. Also, one thing to point out about like the assort- assorted NFC North team, golly, I wish the Vikings were healthy. Oh, if, like, if, if, even if they just had Kirk. If they just had Kirk, I absolutely. more. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the thing. God, man. And listen, I know it's a division rival, but man, if if Kirk Cousins was still healthy, wouldn't we be talking about the Vikings under the same breath as we would with the Rams as like a sneaky Maybe. dark horse? Maybe. Given how given how Flores has significantly changed this defensive unit. Yeah, and I then mean, and then what Kevin O'Connell was doing was spectacular too. I I mean, and just think Kirk Cousins was legitimately looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Oh, I'm not going to lie. If he kept playing the way he was playing, he would be in the MVP debate. I figure, I feel like if Kirk was still healthy and kept playing like this, he might be the favorite to win it. I most absolutely, likely. I think it would be very possible. Very possible. He could have won that. He could have won that award. Man, yeah, this he was sucks. playing really good so... football. So him going down sucks. But and I and literally it, with if Kirk was still healthy, I would have much rather loved this Vikings team in the playoffs than having to watch Eagles and Buccaneers that have their flaws, especially the Eagles who. I mean, my goodness, man. I I feel for Eagles fans right now. I mean, granted, not a lot of people like that fan base, but the fact that they're witnessing this atrocity on both sides of the ball, I I mean, I'd much rather would just watch Nick Mullins right now. <laughs> just suck so, it deep. He's like, Trey, look, yeah. oh, let me get JJ downfield. I hope he'll get it. <laughs> I'd rather yeah, watch that instead. <laughs> this this Eagles team, man, they're, they're flawed. Offensively, why are you only running shotgun? Why do you no, have two different run it. concepts, right? Why is this the offense? And then defensively, it's not even scheme issues. It's just, okay, why do you have <laughs> both of the – why do you have three of the play side defenders trying to get contained and then just leaving the gap wide open? Why right. can Reed Blankenship not take an angle properly? Why is it that Shaq Leonard suddenly looks like the worst linebacker in football? Like, why? It just doesn't make sense. Why does no one know how to contain, except for when they don't need to contain, then everyone tries to contain? Why? It is is baffling. They're one of the most poorly coached units I have ever watched play NFL football. It's such a disaster, man. They are a horrible defensive unit. And the offense, I think they have talent, but... Offensively, they just their scheme they, is awful. It's, it's defensively yeah, it's, the scheme is fine. It's not great, but it's fine. But the yeah. players are completely undisciplined. Then offensively, you have good players, but then the scheme is awful. Mm-hmm. So it's just like it, it hurts to watch them. But we were talking about the Bucks. I don't want to give them too much disrespect because them getting right. here, no one expected it. Okay, they're way did. better than an expectation. But there was a point where the Bucks actually looked like a team that would be entertaining to watch in playoffs. And then the Saints game happened, the second one. And since then, they, they just haven't been the same. And it was only two weeks. But right. I, I really hope we see that Bucks team from earlier in the year as opposed to this Bucks team where, you know, I, I think the difference is Mike Evans not playing quite as well. But... yeah. It is, again, maybe I'm overreacting to just two games, but 
I'm hoping we see the old Bucks team, and if that's the scenario, I think the Bucks would win this one by a long shot. If you were to predict mm-hmm. how this game would end, or even how it would play out, how do you feel like it will though? That's really the point, and this is a game where I wouldn't be shocked if Chris Cod- if Chris Godwin adds a masterclass, especially if you have Philadelphia just exposed in the middle of the field. Chris Godwin eats at that area very easily, so I that's really the key for Tampa. I actually might go Philadelphia here slightly, and it's just because I trust their offensive playmakers. Um, AJ Brown, well, wonder if he ends up playing or not because he Let's took a scary hit. To the Let's just assume he is because if he is, it, it's it's rats. Yeah, yeah. If AJ Brown's playing, it, yeah, he because he he I I don't know how you stop him, and I just trust. AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard to, you know, do whatever they can and yeah. they can expose. So as long as the game plan is just get the ball to your playmakers and like I think there's a chance Philadelphia wins this game. This is not this is a pick where I don't feel that much confident picking Philadelphia to win. So Which is crazy. <laughs> this was last yeah. year's NFC championship. This was last year's NFC champion. And now they're going to be over here losing to Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers in the playoffs. That's poor one out for Eagles fans, man. It's bad. It's not (laughs) like they have an injured quarterback or anything. No, schematically flawed. They are just a flawed football team in terms of how they're coached up. It's so clear. And I am going to take the Buccaneers here. I am. You asked how are they going to stop A.J. Brown if A.J. Brown plays. There's a guy named Yaya Diaby. Nah. He has been playing far better than anyone wants to give him credit for. He's been playing really good football. This pass rush has been good. They can get in Hurts' face. If you're not going to establish a running game, which the Eagles haven't been able to, because like I just said, they only have two run concepts for some reason. They only use shotgun for some reason. Right. Can't do that with DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Well, well, DeAndre Swift is a role player. You can't make him your three-down back, and they treat him like he's a three-down back. I I really don't get why they gave up on Kenneth Gainwell. I don't get why we don't see Penny on the field. It really doesn't make sense to me. But they're not going to change their ways now in playoffs week one. So... Yeah. This is just who they are, right? It's one thing to lose to the Cardinals once. It's one thing to lose to the Giants once. It's another thing to lose five of your last six, okay? And then before that, you were barely winning games anyway. That the, That's really, yeah. The Eagles are not a good football team right now. And the Buccaneers have the ability to play good football. And even though lately they haven't been playing good football, they've been playing better than the Eagles. <laughs> They have. And we've already seen what they were earlier in the year. Yeah. Exactly. They were yeah. listen, when Mike Evans was having like great games, I really think that's the difference between the team we saw mm-hmm. pre pre week seventeen and post week seventeen. Right. The difference between those two teams is Mike Evans was playing really good ball. And now, well, he's an older guy. He can't play through all these games repeatedly and then have, you know, consistently great performances and without that elite wide receiver presence and he wasn't elite wide receiver this year 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the same football team. But I do think this defense is better than they get credit for. And yeah, absolutely. I think that even without Mike Evans, Rashad White can do damage if your linebackers can't tackle and your corners can't take good angles. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, even, even and though Philadelphia's run defense is starting to weaken out a bit. So, yeah, there is possibly for Rashad White to have a great and game. And, again, the reason why is because, yeah, they have these great D linemen. No one's saying that Jalen Carter is a bad player. No one's saying Brandon Graham is bad. No one's saying Hassan, Hassan Reddick really took a step back. No one's saying that. It's just they right. no longer are taking appropriate rushing lanes, and that's why those pressures aren't translating to sacks. They're no longer remaining in contain. They're no longer maintaining their gap. These guys are completely undisciplined, and they're just freelancing on every play, and you could tell it doesn't work out. It looks really really bad when you watch them on film i'm telling you right now if you want to like cry yourself to sleep watch the eagles all 22 film from the cardinals game because i made a youtube video on it and i did not enjoy myself at all Oh man it's it's a bad unit and yes the buccaneers aren't aren't the most talented team in football they aren't and yes they've been a little bit cold as of late like i said but Dave Canals has been a great OC. Oh, he has. He has. He's, he's getting a head coaching job pretty he quick. Should. He should. Absolutely. Dave Canals did a great job. Uh, Baker Mayfield is playing good football. Rashad White can be a really nice weapon for them. Mike Evans has the ability to be a great player. Chris Godwin, we know what he could do. And the, he's Kade really on, the key for, Kade, Bar- for yeah. uh, Tampa. If Mike My Evans bad. can't have a good game, yeah. yeah. And then Cade Otten can do damage in the red zone. Then defensively, Absolutely. you have Diaby. You have Antoine Winfield, who's been elite. elite. He has been their oh, best player. Oh, pro, dude. Yeah, it, it is a crime that he did not make the Pro Bowl. Absolutely. And yet, Buda Baker gets in. It makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, it, it doesn't. And Buda Baker, I thought, was fine this year, but he, he's not Winfield. He, Winfield he just said, is like, yeah, yeah. He's playing like one of the what the three best safeties currently in football right now. Like he's having a legitimate All Pro year at the moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's I would under I don't understand it. And then you know the the second level with Devin White, Levante David. Those are obviously two great players for them. And they and Devin White's been actually playing. He, he's pretty been good. playing good ball. Yeah, yeah, it's playing better than he the was. Run, it's going to be even harder to run the game with guys like Vita Bea on the D-line. And this yeah. was what I was talking – so way back, you want right. to talk like draft time. Uh, oh, yeah. I did not like Elijah Cansey as a prospect. I remember that. But then he went to Tampa Bay, and what did I say? I said, you know what, put him next to Vita Bea. He'll cook. He'll cook because teams won't want to run the ball. Just because and of Vita Bea's a presence – alone teams don't want to <laughs> run the ball there you and, go and still you watch the buccaneers now when they are willing to run the ball consistently yeah. and they're fine running it straight at kalaja kanchi kalaja kanchi gets exposed but when you're a team like philly that can't run the ball and then you have to try and run the ball against vita vea yeah that's not working you're, out you're not gonna run it and when you're not gonna run it that means kalaja kanchi can pin his ear back ears back and then all of a sudden you got Cansey heading at you. You have Diaby heading at you. It's not a recipe for success. I don't care how good this Philly O line is. If you can't come at 
the Buccaneers with a bounce attack, they're going to pin their ears back and they're going to crush Jalen Hurts. They are. It's going to be a lot harder to pass the ball to A.J. Right. Brown. You asked how are they going to stop A.J. Brown. I reply on the line of scrimmage. Good counter. <laughs> it, it's... Also, I Todd Bowles is going to probably cook something up to where like he's going to cause Jalen yeah. Hurts some problems yeah. for sure. Like if there's one thing that I trust Todd Bowles like and at anything, he's gonna cook that defensive line, for sure. Well, he's gonna throw some crazy stunts at him. That's what he does. That's really what he's so good at, and that's probably where he's gonna cause. But I also problems. think it could also work in the Eagles' favor, because then yeah. all of a sudden the AJ Brown slant route goes for ninety yards if AJ Brown plays. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I feel like that's almost a double-edged sword. So that's why when you you're, you say you're taking Philly, that's where I understand I you there. But mm-hmm. I, I am still going to take the Buccaneers for all the reasons that I said. I, I see an argument either way. I think pretty much all these games, I understand both sides of the argument. Should be a great right. week of football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm super excited to see it. Thank you again for coming on. Oh, super, hey, absolutely, dude. Super happy to have happy you Happy to on. be here. Yeah, and feel free to plug your content because the people listening deserve to know. So you can follow me on Hammy Takes. Um, that's H-A-M-M-Y-T-A-K-E-S. Um, it's on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Um, also, I have a YouTube channel. Same thing, Hammy Takes, but underscore at the end. Um, so go uh, subscribe there. Um, there'll be times where I'll post content. NFL related or sometimes some NBA related stuff, but um, Hemi takes on all social platforms. Um, that's where you can find me at. Yeah, thank you again for coming out. If you want more of my content, check out at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces on TikTok and Instagram. Then just No Huddle NFL yet again, no capitals and no spaces on YouTube, and then at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed, and I'll see you all again on Tuesday.